Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. we all got to work through this. You know, it's tough. No one likes losing. It's time for Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. And the United Center is up for grabs! Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hello, everyone. Another week, another Blackhawk 720 podcast. Uh, we are recording live from Joe Brand's pad. <laughs> and uh, I kind of like it. This is this is becoming kind of preferable. You should just do your, your sports cast on Saturday. Can I do my Blackhawks live show from here, too? Uh, this is very comfortable, and the parking fees aren't nearly as high either. That's that's true. Yeah, no, the the convenience for you is is splendid. I remember when I used to get to go to the United Center and practices, and just be right down the block. But uh, yeah, a little upgrade of the podcast room during the quarantine. We did this and one other time from here. We did, yeah, yeah right, right at the beginning of all this. And there, and there, that's what we were talking. And about. there have been upgrades. And in addition, we have ourselves a nice little visitor. You may hear through the course of the podcast. <laughs> Tell us about uh, tell us about uh, some meowing we may hear on the other side of the door. Yeah, hopefully the the meowing is limited from the third member of the Blackhawk Seven Twenty podcast today. That's uh, that's our adopted cat Plankton. He's got one eye, and uh, we picked him up during quarantine. Just a uh, little black cat, and uh, yeah, really fallen in love with a cat. I never thought I'd be one to say that. I still don't think I'm a cat person. I just yeah, like I don't my think cat. I am either, but he's adorable. <laughs> he's adorable. He's 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 okay. Like I said, he you know he was hamming it up for you a little bit. Rolled on his back and asks for some belly scratches and then he starts nipping at you but no for the most part he's good yeah he gets jealous though whenever i do this stuff because then he starts meowing in the back there was another there was another meow right there you may you may pick up on some of these during the course (laughs) but we have great stuff to talk about here and uh yes we're not declaring the blackhawks by any means stanley cup contenders but um they come back with a couple of victories uh, at home against Yes, the Detroit Red Wings, but still, I think the we've been talking throughout the last couple of weeks about the importance this season to show incremental game-by-game progress. It may not necessarily always be linear and a step in the right direction every single game, but since that opener in Tampa Bay, you can continue to make the argument and finally get results this weekend against the Detroit Red Wings that... You're seeing progress game by game. I think it was it was fairly black and white through uh, what we saw in the four to one and six to two victories. Yeah, and that's funny because the last time we talked, we were talking about how it's not going to be linear, gradual improvement. But that's pretty much been the case for this team. And granted, that ties into the opponents that they have. But I mean, listen, you can only play that the teams you're scheduled against. And the Blackhawks really took care of business over the weekend. It's it's great to see them do that against the old-time rival that kind of gets revived <laughs> with this random season. But we were talking before the pod, I think the biggest thing is the positives to pull from are Pia Suter, Kevin Lankinen, the power play, among other things. But I think those are the three biggest. 
And those are all great things for the future, not not just this year. It's it's for the future of the organization, for the future of the team. And I think that's what Blackhawk fans need to look forward to the most and, and just try to pull from. Again, with whatever criticism you have of the team, you can't ignore some of these positives. And whether or not they, they're playing the Detroit Red Wings, these are positives for the entire future. And I think that's the most promising thing about it all. Yeah, I think what you're seeing are possibilities here. Um, you know, another guy, Philip Kurishev, continuing to show very well, uh, some a spot, at least for the time being, on that second line, uh, playing very legitimately as a second line type player um, during Sunday's game in particular, a little bit from Friday's game and Sunday's game in particular. You saw them attack the net, uh, score goals from below the dots, between the circles. Um, and to have a 21 year old kid like Kurashev who isn't, isn't physically filled out yet, and to have a 5'9, 180 pound pew suitor. Uh, you know, stick his nose right where uh, it should be when if you're a hockey player and not be afraid to go up against the big guys. Now, granted, there were certainly times over the weekend where Detroit could have pushed back a little bit harder. I'm sure their coaching staff wasn't wasn't very pleased about that. But by the same token, the Blackhawks being able to take advantage of that. And, and you know, we talked after Friday night's game, okay, you tasted success. How are you going to respond again Versus a team you just beat who can do some film study on you and is coming right back sitting in a hotel room for a day and a half on an early Sunday, uh, on a Sunday morning game. What is your response going to be? And right from the outset, it's never going to be a full 60 minutes, but pretty much right from the outset, uh, the Blackhawks controlled that game up and down. And uh, yes, it did seem at times like Detroit wasn't pushing back hard enough, but by the fact that the Hawks were dictating play, and I think for the first first real time uh, since Jeremy Carlton took over playing the exact type of style that he wants in terms of system, structure, pressure, being relentless, and um, for the most part controlling the neutral zones and the offensive zones and not spending time scrambling down on your own end. Yes, there were a couple instances of that over the weekend, but for the most part, they controlled the play Again, the caveat is it's Detroit, but it's better than the alternative. Yeah, and a couple of the things, when when the season started, a couple of games against Tampa, a couple of games against Florida, the, the common theme was, you know, they got off to a decent start in that first period and then just weren't able to maintain that the rest of the way, and of course those are tough opponents too, but that didn't really happen in Detroit, except ironically, Jeremy Colleton said he wasn't pleased with the first period on Friday, they still ended up winning that game, but I think Sunday was just a culmination of doing what they wanted to do and continuing that and I think a big reason of that is the success of the power play because you're just, I mean Eddie Olchek talked about it on the broadcast, how you're just in that mode and that zone where okay we get in the power play, yeah we have a lot of confidence in scoring right now and again we've talked about how that was never the case in the past but the fact that that first goal by Pia Suter, that was a result of the Blackhawks not allowing Detroit to clear the puck on the power play. So it's just that little thing that mm-hmm. continues that momentum, that continues that offensive surge. It's not that, you know, it wasn't the most beautiful power play goal. It was just the fundamentalness of we are keeping it in that zone to try and create an opportunity. That happened. So it's those little things that have been. I think really showcased over the weekend how positive things can go offensively for them, but also just coming together a little bit more as a team. And of course, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this changes or doesn't change against Nashville, but all those things working 
in the direction they want to against Detroit is a very positive thing. Let's uh, let's hear from Suter again. Uh, a little bit from him post game on Sunday after scoring his first NHL goal, his first NHL hat trick in the same game. But he was first asked about his willingness at his size to go to the net. That was his reputation coming over from the Swiss League. Whereas Dominic Kubalik has the bomb and also has a willingness to go to the net, but he has the bomb. Suter is more a you know, uh, shift around, find those open areas, those open spaces where you can. And that was evident in his first couple of goals, the power play goal, the even strength goal. And then he unleashed a surprising little wrist bomb on that two-on-one to cap off the uh, hat trick in which uh, he was coming up two-on-one with Patrick Kane and he wasn't going to feed it over. I think Kane wanted him to take the shot anyway, but showing great willingness to take that shot and beat Bernier, who probably knew it was going to be coming. But uh, here's Suter, again, talking about his willingness to crash the net whenever possible. Um, yeah, it's been always uh, part of my game. Um, when I went there, I always scored a bit, so I just uh, kept doing it and uh, worked out well, mostly. So uh, sometimes it does, like today, sometimes not. But uh, for sure, trying to get into those areas when uh, when I don't have the puck and uh, to help teammates out and then, yeah, get those rebounds. What's it like to score your first NHL goal and a hat trick in the same game? Uh, you know, at first, I uh, was happy to get the first one, uh, finally. Uh, yeah, made it easier after. And then uh, off the second one, I feel like, yeah, and now you, you need to get that third, especially when the second one is uh, dead early. So I had some chances. And then, uh, yeah, at the end, it worked out. It was a, it was a great feeling. It was uh, fun. Give me some confidence, too. And I think... Uh, it's a good start from something. Uh, keep going. Just what was that feeling like uh, once you 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 scored the the third goal and just celebrating that? Yeah, I mean, I was pumped up. I was excited because uh, yeah, well, you have to you you know what the next one's gonna mean. So it's just kind of happy it worked out. You got the chance and put in, and was just uh, really happy. Also to kind of put the, the game away as well. As we talked about before, this is a, another guy showing Blackhawks fans possibilities of what he can do and that everything that we've been told about this guy from those who had seen him play previously, well, there's the evidence right there that he can do it. Uh, this doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be getting a hat trick a week in his NHL career. But again, a valuable piece He's got to like playing between Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit. That helps, too. But those guys seem to enjoy playing with him as well. So uh, an optimistic note from this latest European import that the Blackhawks have brought over. Yeah, well, really quick, hopefully the listeners aren't too irked by the cat meowing He's, in the background. I officially declare him the, the Blackhawks 720 podcast mascot now. Okay, hope, maybe we can get David Hochberg to sponsor it or something, Put <laughs> make a donation for every time he meows. It's, it's like, a, like a certain guy that we know you hear laughing in the background of a baseball booth. Or, or, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's, the, he's that third member. The... Uh, well, get into, get into Pia Suter, because I also think this was kind of shown to Blackhawks fans and the NHL in that goal that got taken away against Florida when he did the little spinorama and mm. giving it to Kane. And it, that just I forgot kind of, all about that. Right? I mean, that shows his offensive ability. But, yeah, coming over... In Mark Lazarus's article on The Athletic, they talked about how he was called opportunistic, uh, was a, a strong trait that Pia Suter had, and will that translate over to the NHL level? But I think those three goals and almost four goals that Suter scored just kind of showcased 
the different type of offensive player he can be. He's in the right spot at the right time. We saw in that first power play goal. And then he nearly completed the hat trick towards the end of the first period when he's coming down and he actually drops it back to Patrick He had a couple other chances before capping it off. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, so I thought it was interesting when when Jeremy Colleton said that, how he likes his authority to just go and shoot, not just pass it to Kaner, which is what happened for the third goal of the day that completed the hat trick. But it almost feels like, to me, that... Suter realized, okay, I dropped it back to Patrick Kane, probably not the best situation right there. And then in his third goal, Kane's had an actual better opportunity to be the one to score the goal, and Suter decides to take it on his own. Now, again, even before that, he he nearly had that short side goal where he wristed it on the other uh, side of Bernier. But that's what I mean. You're You're seeing multiple outlets of offensive talent from this Pia Suter guy, and, and I think that's really exciting to see. I also wanted to say uh, just some cool nuggets because he's the first Blackhawk to score the hat trick in his first three goals since Bill Kendall of 1933. Uh, those were Kendall's only three goals that year. <laughs> he, All right, Killjoy. <laughs> he won a Stanley Cup with the Hawks a year later. And how about this? He served in the Army for Canada from 1942 to 44 in World War II, and it takes me so much to not say Team Canada when I say that. <laughs> Served in the Army for Canada. No, Canada the country, not not right. the hockey team. And uh, he's in the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame as well. Bill Kendall, oh. the last Blackhawk to score three goals in his first three goals. Yeah, and the only uh, the only rookie to score a hat trick earlier. Now I forgot the guy's name. It was uh, we we talked about Art it the other something. Day. Yeah, Art. Uh, as you look it up, uh, he did it in his fourth game, um, scoring a, a career hat trick. Art Somers. Art Somers. Yes, and it was nine. 1926? 29. 29. I knew it was a round kind of number, so forgive me. I'm old. Um, But let's talk more young. And the other thing that we've seen develop over the course of the last three games is Kevin Lankinen. Um, Kind of take control of the net for now. Uh, The league will get to know him as he gets to know the league, too. But it's been very impressive. We gave him the lanky nickname, I think, um, in our last podcast, com- coming off that um, overtime loss to the, the Florida Panthers in his NHL debut. But with each passing game, he's looked better and better. Allowed just one goal in that Friday night game as he got a second crack at it. And he talked afterwards about how excited he was to get that opportunity again, even though he was another goalie who gave up a five spot. But um, interesting stuff from him about what he took from his time in the bubble, uh, how he was you know, never in uniform for a game, but used all that observation time down there for that month or so, three weeks to a month or so that he was down there, to take in games in person, observe these great professional goalies uh, from within the building and how they, how they handle themselves, and they all do some things differently. But And then he applied what is most comfortable to him to try and build on his game. And he's a real confident kid, very calm back there. And what we didn't see from him that we saw from Delia and Subban was uncertainty uh, with the puck, uncertainty with uh, better rebound control. Uh, but, but uh, you know, he's very decisive in, in what he wanted to do and very calm in his net. You didn't see him get very scrambly and... and uh, he carried that over again. He was only beaten on the power play in Sunday's game. So no doubt he has 
earned another opportunity on Tuesday when the Hawks go to Nashville for back-to-backs Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, it's hard to believe that he would be in net for for a Wednesday game, but you would almost guarantee he's in there Tuesday as we record here on Monday afternoon. And um, very obviously and very clearly, he's the he's the guy, the first guy to have stepped up in this three-man competition. He's totally putting falsehood to every opinion I had about the goalie situation heading into this season and not the fact that I, I wasn't betting on Kevin Lankinen having the best performance in the early going but and he has the same frame as you <laughs> yeah he's, and again string beanie that was never a knock on Kevin Lankinen it's just you often don't see a goalie that shape and and be that productive but I mean this guy has really uh come out strong and it's it, another example of some gradual linear improvement, and it really goes to show how much comfortability and confidence can play a role in that situation. And he was saying that after just two games playing with the Blackhawks. And again, I I was the one saying, oh, you know, bouncing around from goalie to goalie is going to be good for everybody. And it turns out to be the guy that's been in there day in and day out, the one that's been most productive in Kevin Lankinen. So Again, this is a positive for the team and for the organization moving forward, not just for this year. You go to Sunday's game, the two goals he gives up are both shorthanded. One was a five-on-three. Not even to mention, he was right on top of it. Mm -hmm. It was kind of just Tyler Bertuzzi Bertuzzi, uh, kind of muscling it past. I mean, And Duncan Keith was right on the play as well, which is another ode to the special teams working well in that situation. So I'm really excited to see this guy get a shutout because he's – kind of deserved one the past two games Uh, but you're just you're seeing that comfortability you're seeing that confidence in play and I mean he just seems very on top of everything right now and and it's not just third source observation of that I mean Connor Murphy has said that Jeremy Colleton has said that so he's making a really good impression on this team early on and again this is the third goalie coming into this into this season so it'll be interesting to see how long he can last with this and Right now, it doesn't. He's really not showing any signs of slipping up. What's ironic is he—he he was the waiver ex- exempt guy. He could go up and down between yeah. the Blackhawks and Rockford. So everyone thought, you know, if if Subban or Delia made some semblance of taking control of this job and Lankinen continued to sit around, he would eventually have to go to Rockford to get playing time. Now it turns out he may be the guy who is getting playing time, but up here at the NHL level. And the other thing that I thought was real interesting of him when we talked to him late in training camp, we brought up the the waiver exempt status and how Subban and Delia didn't necessarily didn't have that and uh, whether he thought that uh, it, it would hurt his chances and he came right back to that reporter's question and says no my job was to come here and win the Blackhawks starting goaltender job and yeah he's 25 he's the youngest of the three at 25 wow, so yeah. he's no no spring chicken but he's been there under under the spotlight he was a national hero in Finland a couple of years ago at the world championships and uh between having that experience, and, and Jeremy Carlton says with each level that he's advanced, uh, he has managed to uh, meet what was needed uh, to raise his game individually to that particular level. And he says that confidence level, that, that's half the battle when you're a young goaltender in the NHL. If you have that, it takes you a long, long way. So now let's hear from Connor Murphy, who is off to a really good start himself, because he here he talks about some of the kids, including Lankin, and some real interesting things, also making a Corey Crawford comparison. But you could tell that Connor Murphy's a real fan. So uh, he talks about uh, uh, Pew Suter and Lankinen and now being paired with Nikita Zadorov 
on the back end uh, for the last couple of games. Um, you also you also hear him discuss kind of the mood swing at home. Not that the Blackhawks were down after the 0-3 and one start. It was still a pretty confident group from what I could tell, even though we aren't allowed in the locker room, but just based on what everyone's saying. And now it's kind of a mood booster to come through and get rewarded here at home. He's also asked about his offensive prowess now, a career-high four-game point streak and uh, a goal on Sunday to give them a two-goal lead once again. And uh, also uh, about that offense on whether it just happens to be luck, puck luck, or that it, whether he made a more concerted effort to be involved more offensively this year. Yeah, I think a bit of both maybe fall in my way. Like, for example, the goal tonight, uh, luckily their guys swept it right on my stick in the high slot. So sometimes it's, you seem to get those opportunities where there's uh, there's lanes and chances that go in. So uh, um, that's uh, always nice. But um, winning and having uh, kind of everyone push along is always uh, the most fun. Uh, I know you never expect to score, but everyone always says they want to get more points. Is this something that you can get used to? <laughs> everyone can get used to scoring yes i think it's something uh uh that you always have fun with um there's definitely a lot of emotion that goes into scoring with the the fans and and especially at home with our building and uh, goal song so that's something that uh, i think um everyone misses i imagine the guys that score a lot like caner miss that even more than uh when i get my mind here and there it's uh fun either way but um yeah obviously everyone likes to score so it's uh, just part of the game Kind of rough start to the season on the road, but uh, what does it mean to win these two? What do you think an addressing this does for you guys? Yeah, I think it does a lot. I think even more so than the win, just uh, kind of how we, we seem to piece together our game a little better today than we did the last game against Detroit to start uh, in the first. So um, I think at this point of the year, it's just important to keep growing. As we talked about in Florida, um, wanting to make sure our team game gets a little bit better and that we all seem to kind of mesh and uh and grow and kind of put put something together here so um that's uh obviously a small sample size um tonight we have to we have a big test uh coming up against uh better teams on paper for sure that that uh will have to really uh will really show and those are the games that kind of um seem to show whether what you have together and what you don't so it'll be uh fun to get to back on the road and see what we have Hey, Connor, as a defenseman, what have you seen out of P.U. Suter in training camp and just what makes him tough and how he's going to expand his game in the NHL as the weeks and months go on? Yeah, he's crafty. I think as a centerman, what sticks out, uh, the guys that can separate and make plays have that uh, that intelligence and the, the, the ability to read the ice and read the play and, and uh, kind of control the, the way that the rushes are sorting out. So. He showed that tonight and uh, kind of had those awareness to get the pucks uh, by guys on the rush or even around the net that touched to, um, to get it through. So um, that's important. And uh, it's impressive to see, uh, obviously, just, just starting out in the NHL. And um, definitely uh, we're lucky to have him. Hey, Connor, what have you seen from Lincoln in these last few games here? I think he's only given up three five-on-five goals. He's great. Yeah, I think uh, he's a competitor and he seems to have that that poise, um, poise about him. And and uh, he's uh, he's impressive. He seems to to take his game really serious and and uh, prepares uh, really well for a guy that uh, you can tell wants to be the guy and wants to um, be the one standing there behind us and being able to take uh, any situation. And he seemed to do that. I think there was times in the first uh, where we were we were playing well, but we gave up a couple of grade A chances in the slot that uh, he seemed to just shoulder off. And um, that reminds you of uh, 
when when we had Crow before, he seemed to do the same thing where um, those guys that, that show that they can be good starters are ones that are able to um, make saves, make them look a little easier, and you see the replay and see uh, see how big of a chance it really was. So that's uh, huge for us, and uh, we're happy for him that uh, he's continued to grow this way, and uh, he's, a, he's a fun guy to have back there. Does that filter throughout the group when, when you have that a goalie with confidence and believes in himself and, and can make those big saves? Yeah, it always does for sure. I think uh, I think there's just so many momentum shifts in a game and uh, so many times where um, there are, is going to be a bounce or other teams have, have really um, high-powered offensive players that are going to get their looks, uh, whether you're defending well or not. Um, so, so those are times that if you can weather the storm as a team and especially uh, having the goalie be able to do that, that's going to uh, put yourself in better spots as the game uh, pushes along. Hey, Connor, how was your pair with uh, Nikita sort of developed over the past few games? It's been great. I think, uh, especially tonight, we felt probably the most comfortable together. Uh, are just two bigger guys that are um, going to take pride in defending and trying to um, use our strength and reach. Tonight, we seem to do a better job, I thought, of uh, closing guys down on whoever's side of the ice it was and then uh, and then being close to support to each other to try to make uh, make good plays to outlet uh, out of our zone. So we were able to do that a couple of times, especially in the second. Um, and Z's so big that he can close guys, and um, I have to be able to come over and, and uh, kind of pick up maybe a loose puck that's trickling behind the net. So those are things that you can continue to develop as a pair, and um, he's, a, he's a great player, so uh, definitely a good guy to be with. So with Jonathan Taves and Brent Seabrook not out there on the ice, two guys who wear letters, uh, Patrick Kane is now wearing a, a alongside Duncan Keith, and now Connor Murphy was rewarded one as well. Uh, he's always been a stand-up leader type. He has had an injury bug throughout his career, but um, when he's been out there on the ice, he's been solid, a real solid defenseman. And, you know, I, I think people look at that Nick Jalmerson trade a little differently now with what they got Connor Murphy in return. They would have loved to have had him a lot more frequently based on the injuries he's had to go through. But uh, he's, he's truly been a leader type without wearing a letter. And now that he is, he's an interesting guy to listen to. And and just some some uh, fascinating things to talk about with. You could tell he's a fan of, of Lankinen and some of these other guys. And now, 27 going on 28 in March. Um He's not an old guy by any means, but one of the more experienced hands and uh, one of those subtle leaders on this team, along with the likes of Kane and Keith and Shaw, um, that uh, can kind of set a tone and, and keep things on a positive level, which is probably what some of these younger guys needed after that 0-3-1 start of the season. Well, when the Blackhawks made it clear that Connor Murphy was going to get the A on his sweater, I think at first it's a little surprising, and then you think about it, and it's like, well, yeah, you know what? He has been here for a handful of years. He's kind of one of those quiet leaders maybe from the outside, but you, you hear from what he says around the team, and he seems like more of a vocal leader on the ice. And now, this season, he's kind of coming into a role where he's producing more offensively and obviously doing what he needs to do defensively and trying things out with him and uh, Nikita Zadorov. So it's almost like, yeah, you expect Connor Murphy to do these types of things now in his fourth year fourth year with the Blackhawks. Um, but but I really enjoyed – I mean, that, that goal was beautiful that he scored on Sunday. But it, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pass from a Detroit player. Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> but it was, just, it was just the ability – honestly, when I'm watching it, it was one of those shoot – moments but but not like shoot the puck you got to shoot you know that's everyone's go-to when a team can't score and that's not the case right now but it's just the timing of it was perfect the type of uh 
power he put on the shot was perfect, and it was perfectly located, too. And it just seems like that's a guy aware of the surrounding, aware of the situation at the time. And it it seems like this could be a very good year for Connor Murphy to both help out the team this season and moving forward, working with some of these younger guys, and also just to become a, a bigger, better leader. Because like you said, Jonathan Taves is not here. Some other guys are not here that typically are in that situation, so it's up to this guy to do that. And so far, early on, he's doing a great job of it. And the the, the defensive pairs are real interesting now, because DeHaan and, and Mitchell, they seem to be like a solid, very compatible pair. They've been there since the start, but the little switcheroo going on, they thought originally is a door off and Boquist, kind of a, a, a protector of Boquist with the big guy Zadorov might work, but you know Zadorov occasionally has his moments. Is also that type of player who is still looking to reach his ceiling, and having him in Boquist, I, I think Boquist almost needed that security blanket of going back to Duncan Keith. And by the same token, you can say the same thing for Zadorov with Connor Murphy, who's very steady and defensive minded. Two big bodies there in that particular defensive combination. We'll see how it works against much better teams on paper here going forward. Nashville coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the Columbus Blue Jackets coming in to the United Center next Friday and Sunday. Finally, uh, why did it take us this long to get to the power play? <laughs> Boy, for all the years, it's been absolutely miserable. It's been scoring in six consecutive games, all six games so far. The power play as a total now, eight for 19. Coming up clutch in, in situations and really carrying the team and keeping them in situ- uh, in contests until the five-on-five play could catch up. We finally saw that with they had four five-on-five goals all season long through the first five games. We had five of them in Sunday's game against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, but the power play has been absolutely lights out. And you have two different types of units to do two things. You have the one shooting type unit. And then you have the other one that's more uh, passing, finding the lanes, don't hold on to the puck very long. Both have been effective. And uh, the real disappointing part of not having fans in the power play was often a killjoy and would take the air out of the building at the United Center so often the last couple of years. And now it's just disappointing that uh, the, the the building can't be more energized by what the power play is doing right now. But, you know, no Taves, no Doc, no changes in the coaching staff. But for whatever reason, these combination of players, in, including a handful of new guys who are out there in these combinations, are getting the job done, and it's it's finally fun to see. Well, and how many times over the past few years we talked about the the struggles of the power play is because all these talented guys either don't know when to shoot or they shoot too early or it's it's they try to look for the perfect pass to get the perfect shot on the highlight reel. And like you just said, no no Taves, no Doc, who was a huge presence on that power play. Now you've got your role players who, all right, the Kubeliks, the Canes, they're going to shoot, and then the other guys some of these younger guys coming into this organization and, oh, wow, I'm on the power play. I'm going to just set things up to make sure we can get a goal right here. So I'm not saying that's the only reason. I think that's possibly a reason. Jeremy Colleton talked about how they're cleaner with passes. I think that's definitely evident. And the other thing is, it's the power play. When when the power play's working, things are going great. And it just it's a contagious thing where... You get the momentum, you get the confidence you're going to score, and then it works the exact same way when it's the opposite, when you're, when you're having all these struggles, where it becomes this dreadful environment of, oh man, we really have to score here, otherwise that's going to totally take us down a notch. So I think you're just seeing the opposite end of that spectrum. 
it's not to take away anything. It's not to take anything away from the Blackhawks, but it's it's the same conversation when it's not working. You, you, it's that demise of oh my gosh, we have to score right here, and and people get a little bit too careful. So it's great to see it on the other end of this happening, and also I think it just it helps them just get in a better overall scoring mood because it's more of the fundamental practices and it's more of the things of getting towards the net like Pia Suter is comfortable doing in this young role. So I think that now, and again, it's easy to say this after two games against Detroit with a lot of offense, but it is somewhat bleeding into the five-on-five play, and hopefully that thing can can maintain, that can stay, because the power play is not going to be like this all year long. It'd be great if it would it were, but I don't think that's going to happen. So if you can just pull a little bit of that momentum into the five-on-five, then it's it's totally worth it. The two units as they stand right now, uh, uh, Boquist, Shaw, Kane, Debrinket, and Strom, that's more of the... Uh, the passing, find your lanes quickly, move the puck as quickly as possible. That's been effective, as had the pretty much uh, look and, and, and shoot uh, unit with Keith and Kubalik and Yanmark and Suter. And when Walmark was taken out of the lineup for Soderberg, Philip Kurashev went in and was pretty effective on, on Sunday. Um, uh, Soderberg may eventually find a place on there, too, as a net front presence as well, as he's played in his first game on uh, Sunday afternoon. Actually, his first shift came on the penalty kill. So it just shows what that guy, uh, lumbering, big, yeah. you know, but uh, shows uh, some of the things that he can uh, bring to the table. So here you have Jeremy Carlton after Sunday's game. He does talk about the power play. Uh, really gives props to some of these young players. Not well, not only Connor Murphy really compliments uh, Murphy, but guys like Hagel and Kurashev, and you know also uh, how the team's structure right now is as good as he has seen it over the last couple of games with what he is trying to implement, something we were talking about uh, at the top of the podcast here. Also, Suter's uh, um, you know, uh, in, uh, willingness to get to the net in his production, but uh, mostly he talked about here, at least to start, about how happy he was with the response coming out on Sunday afternoon how they were able to come out after you know an uplifting celebratory win on Friday, their first of the year, and being able to come out and control much of the action on Sunday to get their second consecutive win. The start, um, the third period, a very solid professional um, approach, I thought, uh, and we were rewarded for it. So obviously uh, really happy for Suter to, you know, it's a big night for him and helped our team, of course. But uh, a lot of lot of positives for us, recognizing that uh, we got to keep getting better. We certainly can't be satisfied with with this performance. But for today, we can be happy. From from what you saw of Suter just on video entering the season, what's translated well to this this level? Yeah, I, you know, I watched him quite a bit last year when we were trying to sign him, and uh, then just you know the beginning of this season, I think he's skating better. Uh, I think he's improved his his mobility uh, from last year to this year uh, he's a very smart player he's really good around the net uh but i think his skating it's allowed him to uh he can drive play and and uh you know get through the neutral zone get out of d zone and uh obviously he's playing with some so a couple of pretty good players but you know if he can help them get out of d zone and and get attacking off the rush and in the offensive zone uh it's it can really help us so uh you know i thought it was a very strong game for him but Going back, uh, even the last couple of games, if you know, the production hasn't always been there, he makes a lot of small decisions that uh, 
it adds up to being a stable, you know, protect his line mates, protect his teammates. And, uh, you know, but today, great to see him break through offensively. I love that he he was willing to shoot, uh, you know, on that two and one. A lot of guys are just looking to give it to Kaner. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was really a really good sign that uh, he continues to want to be the guy to make a play himself. Camp's line drove a lot of possession today. What element Tegels added to them, and how, how do you feel like they've looked? Yeah, I think uh, really happy with Hags. He's he's skating very well. He's pressuring the puck. He's uh, you know, there's not a lot of glide in his game. He's able to uh, again. He protects the guys he's on the ice with by getting back above the puck when he doesn't have it and putting pressure on, causing turnovers. It's allowed them to play a little more in the offensive zone. And when you're playing against the other team's good players, that's uh, that's what you need to do. You can't just be defending all the time. So, you know, I think the three of them, they've had, they've had some really good 5-1 shifts the last couple of games. Um, and, and we'd like to use Higgs a little bit on the kill as well. So uh, well, that, that can be some area growth for him. Hi, Jeremy. Um, another power play goal for you guys today. What are you seeing on the power play this year compared to past years? Well, I think big part of it is execution. We're, we're being cleaner with the puck, uh, breaking pressure, you know, all four guys being an option so we can break pressure. And then, uh, you know, we got, I think, two different, two different ways to score as far as how the units are comprised. Uh, you know, Kubi's group, more of a shooting power play and, and guys who want to shoot, playing simple but playing clean. And then the other group, you know, Kaner's group, a lot of movement, a lot of interchange, uh, forcing the kill to sort and resort. And uh, if you do that enough times and, and recover recover enough pucks, uh, you're going to break through. And I think uh, that's that's also a big improvement for our team. We're, we're recovering a lot more pucks in the offensive zone uh, on the power play, and uh, that, that helps you create more. Hey Jeremy, would you say that the uh, the effort and approach that your team took today, five on five, was the approach that you talked about before the season? Strong in all three zones, winning battles, setting up the next shift. Was this exhibit A of, of how they need to play to be successful? Yeah, it's, it was better. I think uh, we we've been taking steps forward every game, and uh, sometimes you're going to do do everything right, and it's hard. It's a battle. It's uh, it's not going to go your way all the time, but you give yourself a chance. And uh, I think the the pressure on the puck and and uh, willingness to skate and to work and to to work to get above to get pucks back uh, that allows you you're going to have the puck more, and then it's easier to play, and you're able to play in the offensive zone and draw penalties and and create offense. I think five on five, it was nice to see us create more than we have. And uh, but we got to build on it. We got to build on those things and, and try to continue to find uh, an even higher level of consistency and execution here. What do you think of Connor Murphy's game? It seems like he's been really good lately. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right about that. He's uh, you know he's so strong in battles and uh, getting on the right side and physical and you know he helps get us out of D zone. But I think his puck plays continue to improve. He's making a lot more uh, clean plays on the breakout once he does get the puck back and that helps and uh you know i think he's also willing to join as the fourth fifth guy in the attack you know whether that's off the breakout or, or like on his goal where he uh you know he ends up joining and it's kind of a broken play but he's there and uh nice finish and i noticed uh Khrushchev was was on that second power play unit um is he one of those guys that you're comfortable maybe giving him a little bit more responsibility and, and is he handling that you know nicely 
Yeah, I think his skill set, uh, he's got it in him to play in the power play. Just you got to be, you want to be careful with young players and not give them too much too early. Uh, sometimes you lose your focus and, and uh, stop doing the things you need to do five on five. But, uh, you know, I thought he, he was good again tonight. And uh, to me, it's just his skating. He's, uh, he's really. I think he's always been a good skater, but just his willingness to, to keep his feet moving and drive, drive with the puck, get through the neutral zone, um, you know, skate to put pressure on, to force turnovers. Uh, he's, he's made some really big strides in the last few weeks, and uh, so we're going to reward that. It seems like these last few games that you guys have put a, a more concerted effort, especially down low on isolating one-on-ones and then capitalizing on that. Is that, is that part of... Uh, is that part of the game plan for you guys? And are you, are you seeing the rewards offensively as a result? Well, yeah. I mean, it starts with having a net front. Like if uh, if we have someone in front, then any any puck to the net can become a chance, and we work to get inside and, and try to get pucks there. But uh, you know, finding a way to keep the puck a little bit more, uh, be an option in the offensive zone. Uh, think we're improving there again we talked about five on five we want to create more but the last couple of games we've had more chances uh nice to come through with some goals but jeremy carlton a very pleased head coach sunday but uh he is quick to point out uh okay that's that's one day it's a positive step and we continue to need to get better that that you're going to hear that all season long no matter how uh, optimistic or pessimistic he is after after particular games but you know when you look at some of these some of these guys on the roster now and this this stresses the importance of what we were talking about earlier of you know the message and the tone that guys like Shaw and Murphy and Kane and Keith provide in there um you know you have some guys who aren't necessarily young but young enough and and experienced and and pieces of the puzzle down the road. Kubalik, twenty five. Debrinket, twenty three. Strom, twenty four in March. Um, Kurashev is just twenty one. Boquist, just twenty. Ian Mitchell and Brandon Hagel, uh, whom you heard Jeremy compliment there, both twenty two years of age. Even Nikita Zadorov is is. Uh, only 24. He'll turn 25 in April. He's another guy who's only here, at least for this year, mm-hmm. contractually. And you're going to see over the course of these 56 games how these guys can grow, what their ceiling and potential is like, what their upside may be, and who are pieces for the future. Something, a phrase we've been using time and again about what this season is all about. Yeah, I think it's important to pull the positives that Jeremy Colleton is saying about a few of these guys, like Pia Suter saying how his skating his ability has improved from last year. He said he he uh, watched him a lot when they were trying to sign him out of uh, Switzerland. And I like how he said he makes a lot of small decisions that really pay off. That's typically what you hear about veteran guys or people that have been in the league for quite some time. So it's it's good to hear that about a young guy like Pia Suter. And that's that was showing on Sunday, that, that third goal, or I should say the goal where he did drop it back to Kane, he stole that right out of the neutral zone. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. that was kind of just a individually generated chance that turned into a scoring opportunity. So it's good to see that early on. And also what he said about Philip Kurashev saying uh, his willingness to drive with the puck. His goal I thought was so interesting because he's got Dylan Strom right on the other side of the net. He can easily just toss it over, and that's typically one of the goals you see. Tic-tac, 
toe into the back of the net. Um, but he decided to go on his own and muscle through a couple of Detroit defenders and put a little move on Bernier, and it ended up working. So even if he doesn't score there, it's not a goal they need. Um, but it's it's nice to see he's got that confidence to go ahead and do that, and it's nice to see that he's got the skill set to do it too. So I, I don't know. like If it's a goal that they need and he goes for that and they don't score, are you thinking, oh, what, why isn't he passing it to Dylan Strom? I guess you could always look at both sides of the coin there. But the fact is he thought to do it, he did it well, and it proved to, to be a goal. That shows what type of player he can be. So again, I think it's it's important to take specifically the positives that Jeremy Colleton is pulling from these guys because Jeremy Colleton got an extension. So it's important that he recognizes this type of talent from these guys who are hopefully going to be the future of the organization in a very successful form. And, and Kershaw isn't, isn't even physically filled out yet. I mean, yeah. the, the fact that he has his willingness, something Troy said on the post-game show when we brought up the fact that uh, except for Murphy's goal and except for Suter's, uh, the one that capped off the hat trick, the four other goals were were scored from the dots on down, mm-hmm. and being having a willingness and an aggressiveness to take it there. Uh, now Jeremy Colleton has that on tape. You enjoyed winning on Friday and Sunday. You like that feeling. How did we do it? Right here. So continue to keep on doing it. It's kind of a teaching lesson that that the the message that he's trying to send out there is working now. Whether they can do that against a Nashville team and a much more abrasive Columbus team, this is what we get to see here over the coming week. So that will be interesting because, as we, as we said earlier in the podcast, I'm sure the Detroit coaching staff isn't as uh, wasn't very happy with their group, which which came in looking kind of decent at two and two, and all of a sudden the Blackhawks outscore them ten to three over the two contests this week. The other th- point, the thing I wanted to point out going into the Nashville series, the Predators are coming off two games in Dallas where they allowed eight power play goals hmm. in 12 chances against the Dallas Stars. Five in one night, and then another three on Sunday. So maybe there is a chance for the Blackhawks' power play. Eight for 19. To, <laughs> uh, you know they're gonna, you know the Preds are going to be in a lousy mood, though, going back after getting just uh, I mean, it was a close game on Sunday, but the reason that they lost as well was because of three three power play goals that they gave up. Well, and you also know how weird hockey is. Watch the Blackhawks get three power play opportunities in the first period and not able to capitalize or something like that. I'd like to think that they're in a great groove right now that that won't happen, but uh, again, it's it's not the fact that they're relying on the power play. They're just... It it gives them that extra boost where... Whatever the score is, okay, let's try to make this work right now. This is the task at hand right now. Score a power play goal. And every game, that's worked at least once. So it's it, that's a great thing to move forward with. And again, it's it's just something, something positive every game that they can go into for as long as this lasts. Just because, oh, well, that's still working for us. So it's, it's not like this whole thing is a mess right now, because that's clearly not the case after these two wins. But, you know, no matter what happens in that game, if they can continue this power play success, that's one good thing to pull from and move into the next game. And again, no matter what the score, hey, if we get a, if we get a power play opportunity here, let, let's work on that. Let's, let's focus in on not so much pigeonhole our tasks, but let's focus in on that right now, something we can control. And uh, moving forward, that could be big for everything involved. It was a, a successful weekend where two victories get you kind of interested and excited about what's going to happen next, how they're going to happen, how they're going to handle this next challenge. And you know, with that, uh, we'll sit back and watch that, and we'll probably. 
probably come back with another podcast a week or so from now, perhaps after they're done with their uh, Columbus uh, back-to-back on Friday and Sunday at the United Center, and we'll get to see and evaluate uh, what, if any, progress was made from individuals or them as a collective group when we come back at you with our next Blackhawk 720 podcast. I want to thank our producer, Curtis Koch, Ernie Scatton, uh, for being the voice of the podcast as well. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, again, we encourage you to subscribe, so whenever one pops up, they'll be right there waiting for you. And you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand one. That's the number one. Also, follow WGN's uh, radios uh, and WGN Radio's sports twitter feed too and uh we also encourage you to listen to blackhawks live every monday night at seven o'clock we usually have a blackhawks player and an alum on nick Ismondi as well the show has been fun so far and moves pretty quickly as all blackhawks conversation every monday night at seven when the blackhawks are off so uh keep an eye out put that on your schedule as well we also want to thank our new mascot plankton <laughs> who really wanted to i think plankton wanted to talk about the cat Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. He was trying to. We were ignoring Alex to bring (laughs) it, and he was outside the door wanting to put uh, his two cents in worth and I think we put him to sleep because we haven't heard him for a little bit. He here. tires himself out after after meowing <laughs> and not getting any uh, any feedback from us at all. But yeah, maybe we, maybe we should get uh, an interview with, with my cat and Alex Debrinkit or, or maybe Alex Debrinkit's dogs and let's, see how that goes. Let's, let's make it happen. All right. For Plankton and for Joe Brand, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.